Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match raw on AI Pro and live on Discord. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Rangers 1, Liverpool 7 in the Champions League from Ibrox are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. And we're all back again after what was a less than enjoyable occasion uh, last time out to have a bit of a cackle uh, as this one turned out, Dave, because none of us could have seen that coming as the first half was sort of lumbering along in a very uninspiring way. Um, It's obviously a little bit of an exaggeration, but in so many ways, I take it, I feel that there was an element of catharsis in there. I feel that there's a, a, a couple of, I, I'm not going to say corners turned at all, but a couple of things that we desperately needed, um, all of which might make those little differences uh, if we're ever going to rescue anything from this season. And honestly, the, the one true thing about it all, Dave, is this competition rescue, uh, re- uh, represents our best chance of any sort of major success this season. So it's nice to see it back on track. Yeah, I mean, what a difference 45 minutes make. Uh, at half time, I'd imagine we were all dreading doing this because these aren't fun to do when you play as badly as we have been and as badly as we were in that first half. And yeah, we come out of the game having absolutely smacked the shit out of them in the second half, sent all of their fans running off out the door with 15 minutes left home to molest their flags or whatever it is they do behind closed doors. (laughs) And there is absolutely no stadium in the world in which I would rather us go and win 7-1. Absolutely no stadium in the world in which I would rather that happen. You're right. This is our, this is, this competition is our best opportunity to win a major honor. This is our one. And, This is the competition that we have excelled in 
under Jurgen Klopp. Three finals. And, you know, if you think back, we went out one year because Adrian decided that he, I don't know, had had enough of playing Champions League football that year and didn't want to play anymore. We went out another year because all our centre-backs were injured. You know, when this team is right, this team gets to European Cup finals, and that is a very special thing. And I do feel like under Klopp, because we've never really had that great depth, we've always been a little bit short somewhere, whether it was at centre-back or in midfield or, you know, needing one more up front. We've never had that great depth, which can rule you out of sort of a a dynastic approach to the league. You look at City, City of world-class players to come into that team no matter who gets hurt. We don't have that. What we do have is an exceptional group of players that are perfectly suited to cup football. And we saw it last year. The first time under Klopp we really took the domestic cup seriously, we went and won both of them. Mm. You know, three European Cup finals. This is how we are. This is the team that Jürgen has built. And again, don't want to get ahead of myself. Don't want to, like you, There's the, the whole turn the corner thing, we leave that for other people to spout on about. What we saw tonight was one individual in Bobby Firmino decide that he was single-handedly going to drag this team to victory. Even as others flailed around him, he was going to be the one to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and drag us across the line. He scores two, he sets up the goal for Darwin, and then Mo Salah comes on. And Trev, what we have seen tonight is a revelation, something that I'm not sure any of us were aware of. When you allow Mo Salah to have the ball in central areas, great things can happen. We gave that fella 350 grand a week in the offseason and employed him to be the world's most highly paid linesman until this point in the season. This is where you get the best out of Mo. In the half space, working in between fullback and centre-back. He's the most devastating player in the world, in that area. And tonight, he finally gets to play in that area, and we see what happens. I brilliant con- win. Brilliant yeah. win. I love the concept um, of of somebody listening to this show and not getting the drenched amounts of irony that were lashed over your last few sentences because they may not quite get it. And it's such a very, very validly made point with these glorious examples that we're going to discuss uh, uh, to illustrate that point. And I see a bandwagon growing for the concept. And again, hold on to your asses here of Mo and Darwin as a partnership in a central sort of way and I would only love to see that as well and I think there's got to be some sort of wake-up call for whoever is calling the shots in terms of how Mo Salah is being employed because we have on our books one of the very best in the world a man who was for a period of time last season in the early half of it the best in the world and we are wasting him I don't make any bones about the fact that I'm among the people saying 
he hasn't been in great form when he has had opportunities and found himself in those spaces. That is actually a fact. But we can also say that and hold the same opinion um, or a contrasting opinion, which is we're also not utilizing the lad to the best of his abilities. It's a very, very strange scenario. And I, I, I look forward to being able to talk about how he may have proved a point or two himself tonight. And Harry, we have racked up the goals there in that second half in a way that was, I mean, I, 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 again, like like Dave, there aren't too many places um, I'd be happier to be um, maybe leaning into a bit of humiliation of the of the opposition. It's just, I can't help it. But I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying that aspect of it immensely. But you, the point I was making to Dave there about us needing certain things there. We got another goal for our centre forward who had been, and again, I don't make any bones about saying this, a little bit out of sorts in his first half form in terms of his touch and control. It's a thing that I've, I was starting to get worried about. I have in previous games as well. I'm not saying, I'm, I don't believe he's not a good footballer. That's idiocy. But I, I want I want to see him very effective all the time. And he's he's feeding on scraps there in that first half. It's not good. So a goal for him, the couple of goals for Bobby, who again has, uh, you know, a lot left in the tank and may well be central to any victory that we do have. And, you know, and let's not even mention that outrageous set and assist. And then to get the main man back, hammering goals in, it's, 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 a, it's a delight. And um, I didn't see it coming, Harry, I'll be honest with you. I did not see it coming. Halfway through that first half, I was feeling quite despondent. No, I think you were right, Sue. I mean, the first half was, uh, was, was incredibly grim. And um, there were, uh, I mean, I think Canate is probably the only bright spark from that first half in terms of just being delighted he was back. And you could see some of the qualities that he possesses that could really, could really help us. And that didn't change even when he eventually went off the pitch. I thought he had a, he had a great game. Uh, and again, sort of showed what an asset he's going to be for us. But otherwise, the first half was incredibly incredibly grim viewing um but yeah just like dave um it sounds like yourself as well um some some may call it a mainstream sort of pursuit uh trev but i'm i'm a massive fan of this um giving giving most out of the ball near near and around the goal uh hobby hobby of ours um and it's uh yeah it was great to see him back in sort of ruthless form again as you mentioned get darwin getting that goal after pretty thankless task for the majority of the evening to be honest feeding off like pretty dreadful service into him and the number of times we actually there were some good runs and people under hitting passes passes right behind him pushing him out further wide and wouldn't claim to say that he's he's the the most glistening player in sort of his build-up but again that's we sort of knew the player we were getting he's the tip of the spear you know (laughs) when bobby scored that second goal uh, I was just feeling for for Darwin a little bit because I thought what he would have given just to be on the end of a cross uh, of that quality all night because it was probably the first bit of quality we saw from a wide area, uh, like the the Joe Gomez put that ball in. But no, it's it was, it's it's a it's a very welcome tonic. I'm not getting carried away. I think we we discussed on the last pod. Rangers are a poor side, um, and they're a side that would probably struggle um, in in the championship as well. So. I don't think it's uh, it's a case of getting carried away, but there's important things there. You know, there's Salah you know, getting in the feel again of of you know, being Mo Salah, scoring uh, the the, what, the fastest hat trick in Champions League history, being the uh, well, 
I think I saw as well sort of the uh, the most goals scored for a single English club in the Champions League in in the history of the competition. That's these are the sorts of things that we were saying on podcast last season, Trev. Like coming onto pods and talking about all the records we were breaking in a positive sense. That's what I want to get back to. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that, and uh, also really enjoyed Bobby all evening, uh, including as you mentioned, what in in hindsight was a completely unnecessary flick assist uh for for, for Nunes. could have just passed oh, the ball could have just passed just, the ball. just so totally unnecessary that's what makes it beautiful i it, mean uh, all that was missing was him sticking his tongue out at one of the rangers players as he did it like yes and looking the opposite way if if, if he'd made it a no look pass it would have been just absolute perfection but man alive I, can't, I look forward to analysing each of these goals. And Harry, just stay with me for a second uh, to talk about the uh, Liverpool lineup tonight because I know Dave and, and, and Carl will have had a look at Rangers and they made some changes, so I wouldn't mind having a look at those mm. with Dave. And Jürgen made some changes too. He went with Alisson. We saw Ibu Kanate take his place again. And just in case it doesn't get said often enough in the podcast tonight, God, he's good. Uh we also had Joey Gomez, who grew into that game, I thought, again, as the game went on and got better and better and better. That was a good sign, too. Uh, Virgil and Simicus making up the back four. Um, Henderson, Fabinho and Elliot, as we reverted more to a shape that we've been very familiar with over the years. And Bobby, um, Darwin and Carvalho made up our attacking um, quotient. Uh, interesting lineup from um, uh, Klopo. Um the last time uh, Elliot and Carvalho started, uh, it didn't go as he had planned and hoped. Um, on the bench, we had Thiago. Um, when he came on, um, it was a, that was a, a little joy to behold. Obviously, we were on the up anyway, but it's always just good to see him come on and be good and impose himself, even if he was throwing himself into tackles like a lunatic in a way I didn't appreciate. Jimmy Miller came off the benches as well. Mo, more, more of Mo later. Uh, Adrian Jota, who came off the bench. Robertson, who came off the bench to great effect, actually. Bacetic, Phillips and Kelleher made up our bench. Um, what did you make of how we lined up and what was it you think Jurgen was trying to do? Was there elements of... Was there huge elements of looking after certain individuals for the City game? Uh, and if so, does that strike you? Because it did me as a fella who's still maybe not quite understanding the priority of this season. Because anyone who thinks we're still in with shout for the league is surely having a laugh. Uh, and I would have thought we needed to just get this game won. Um, so how were you feeling when you saw the lineup? Yeah, uh, I had a... I had a few questions, uh, but I think uh, in terms of what you're mentioning around keeping players uh, fit uh, and sort of available for for the city game, I, I mean, I, I think none of us were sure just exactly how fit Robertson was. So I pretty much expected him to come to come off the bench. Tiago, it's just so so important for us that I can see the argument for resting him in this game because you 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 do look at these teams and think, well, Liverpool should have enough to beat Rangers without Tiago Alcantara. Uh, as tempting as it is to sort of play him against Rangers and watch him uh, do what he did at times, even during that small cameo. Uh, Jota, perhaps, was a little bit surprised not to see him. Salah is always a shock, right, when he's not in the team. And this, again, seemed like an opportunity for him to get some goals, and it <laughs> proved like it, it was an opportunity for him to get some goals, even if he did it in a bit more efficient fashion than we were maybe expecting before the before the lineup was announced. But 
yeah, a bit, bit surprised to see both Carvalho and Elliot in. I was questioning how that would work, questioning how the the lack of pace in those areas would potentially sort of come back to bite us a little bit. And also just a little bit concerned around the the defensive work rate that was going to be asked of the likes of Elliot on that right-hand side. But I thought uh, whilst it was far from far from perfect, to be honest, in the first half, um, I thought he did... He did fairly well in what he did and looked incredibly sharp after the second after half time, which was weird enough. So always excited to see you know, young players get an opportunity. It's, it's been hard lines for uh, Carvalho. I think there's been a number of games where he's come in and doesn't seem to have a really a a role that necessarily suits his all of his talents. And I thought he 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 in particular really grafted to, to sort of work his way into that game. Um, at, at, at stages and it seemed to completely sort of lost again, but really did work his way uh, through a lot of graft into into the game and, and, and having an influence on it. But yeah, Nunes partnering sort of, if, if you will, with with Firmino, I wasn't necessarily sure how that would work in terms of those two complementing each other that that well. I was slightly worried about just loads of people dropping deep to, to receive and then turn and find that nobody was, had run in behind, which actually did prove to be the case for the large points of the of the game, but yeah, I think when we were speaking about the last Rangers game, we did say that you know, most combinations of this Liverpool side and squad should be good enough to beat Rangers, even at uh, the Ibrox with their crowd up for, for for periods of time. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too alarmed by it. Um, I questioned some of the logic about it, and I think in the first half I was definitely questioning some of the logic uh, around the the lineup and some individual performances as well, but. Yeah, I think maybe it's hindsight bias now, seeing what happened, but uh, and maybe it's also the fact that Bobby, as Dave mentioned, did take it upon himself to really drag the team through at points. But yeah, I can, I, I, I can justify that selection. Yeah, I, I, you're right. It as the half half wore on, it, it it was the eyebrows were getting further raised than they they were maybe when the team was announced and it did have that horrible feel that Carvalho wasn't going to be able to get into it that Nunes was sort of isolated that Mo was isolated again it had that kind of frustrating feel but yeah uh, we did put it right and to speak briefly Dave with you about Rangers um they did shake it up as we expected they would um Tavernier, uh, Golson, Davies and Barisic were their defence. Jack Lundstrom, um, Sakala came in, Arfield came in, uh, Kent was there and Cholak came in from the start as well. Um, that was the least I thought they were going to do. Um, I thought maybe maybe at least one other, um, maybe Matondo or some of those might have gotten a, a chance as well. Um, what did you make of how they went and what it was you thought Van Bronckhorst was trying to do by way of his setup? Because it seemed, just from the goings of the first half, that it might have had some success. He was trying to isolate a little bit of speed versus uh, our men on the flanks, like they did in the second half with the subs uh, at Anfield. And I guess you'd have to give some amount of credit for it partially coming off or maybe coming off quite successfully in the first half yeah I thought first half to their credit they did match us I think you know that's equal parts them playing as well as they're capable of and us being just a bit as bad as we're capable of being but it was an aggressive uh, proactive lineup from Van Bronckhorst very much looking to get 
the two wingers wide, isolated on the fullbacks, get the two full get their two fullbacks up in support, either on the underlap or the overlap. Arfield buzzing around in central areas, dropping in to make a third man in midfield when need be, and then getting forward in support of Cholak up front, who's a big awkward character. He's got good first touch, good control, good awareness, knows where his teammates are, happy to bring them into the ball, into the into the game by giving them the ball. And then making that secondary movement, which is often underrated. You get a lot of strikers, they'll make that first movement when the ball doesn't come to them, or when they get it and dink it off. They kind of stand around. Whereas he's very good at making that first run. If he doesn't go if the ball doesn't get to him or he gets it and gives it, he'll always make a secondary run, which did cause us some trouble in that first half. There's no doubt about it. Um, the thing is, though, like, I mean, we can praise them all day long. And I think there's a couple of their lads tonight that did deserve a lot of praise. But when you look at the players in that team, the lack of quality really does stand out to you. I mean, there's a couple of lads in that team that could play in the Premier League, and that's about it. Um, I do want to give special mention to uh, Fashion Sakala, whose name we both enjoyed last week. Uh, I, I know he was wearing Fashion Junior on his shirt today. I'd be very interested to meet Fashion Senior and ask about... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> ask about the, the heritage of the name, but he gave Costa Simicus an absolute roasting in that first half. He absolutely torched Costa's four or five times down the flank. And, like, we all like Costas, but that fella did a recent video for Liverpool's YouTube where he and Diogo Jota went around handing out the latest copies of FIFA with all the players' stats. And every single player that he gave one to, he made them reaffirm the fact that he's quick. Sakala made him look like he was running in wellies tonight. And then, I mean, the the less said about the free kick he took, the better. Like, his delivery wasn't great. He had, he had a fairly poor game. And I don't think Robbo has too much to worry about. But the one thing I do want to say about our team, how much more at home did Harvey and Fabio look as wide players in a four mm. than as the wide midfielders in a three? The, these are the natural positions for these lads. Now, both of them struggled for first half. They weren't tracking back. They weren't helping their fullbacks. And they were both getting a little bit lost. But in the second half, I thought it really clicked with them. Now, that it might have been a little bit of tactical instruction at half time, But whenever Harvey would come central, Fabio would stay wide. And when Fabio would come central, Harvey would immediately shift wide. And with that way, we were able to keep the field stretched and keep their defense opened up. Because in the first half, they kept both coming central and trying to link up with each other. And it was really easy for their defence to just get really condensed. The the midfield two plus our field to stand back on their toes. And we were having a tough time playing through them. As soon as they made that little change at half time, where one kept staying wide and the other would buzz into central areas, the game opened up for us. I would have zero problem with those two kids either side of uh, Fab and Thiago and Mo and Darwin as our two uh, against City. I'd have no problem with it. I'd love to see it. It would be exciting. And like I said, I want us to try things in league now because it can go and fuck itself. You know, honestly. Yeah. What, what, what do people think is going to happen? Like, stop, stop. Like, just, the only uh, thing we have to do, Trevor, is we have to ensure we finish top four. That's it. 
Exactly that. That's exactly it. And that. finishing fourth is the fucking same as finishing second. It just is. I know you get a little bit of extra TV money or whatever if you finish second. I don't care. Well, you'd, have to, spend, you'd have to spend it, wouldn't you? You'd have to well, spend it. That's the thing. Money. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, if you're second, you might as well be fourth because you haven't won dick all and you're, all you win is getting a spot in the Champions League, which the team that finishes fourth get as well. Harry Sethi with his Costas could use a lesson in fashion line in the uh, chat there. Oh, there was some belters, some fella. Uh, fella, you need a... <laughs> what was... Oh, I, I'll find... Does it, does it, does it chap? His name is... Um, my surname is Khan, is his Twitter handle. And he had a couple of absolute perlers in the, the gentle humour uh, reign tonight. What did he say to me? I'm so really I said fashion is getting absolutely rinsed by... I said Costas is getting absolutely rinsed by a lad called Fashion. And he replies with, don't worry, he'll figure it out. He'll figure out a solution soon. Oh, nice, nice. D- D- Dior Straits. Oh, nice, nice. And just yeah. in case you haven't had enough after that, Rangers keep putting balls into the Chanel for him to run on to, which oh, I thought beautiful. was very clever. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I was going to respond to you when you said about fa- uh, Costas getting rinsed by fashion, I was going to say, well, not so much rinsed as snow washed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> I said I'd, I'd, I'd keep that one for the show. Uh, let's get into it, Harry, because the first half is is where any contentious chit-chat we're going to have will be. Um I thought the half began um, with a great sign, uh, an Ibu challenge on Jack on two minutes uh, where the Rangers man was down having a cry for himself. It was a free kick given against uh, Ibu, which I thought was absolutely farcical. Um, anyway, I am a massive fan of this kid and I'm delighted he's back. Uh, on four minutes, Lundstrom um, hit a crossfield ball to Sakala to the aforementioned fashion. He did Simicus completely and then hit a tame effort at Ali. That's the first of the moments of rinsing Dave was talking about. Four minutes, Kent carried the ball down the left, cut in and curled the ball over the top on his right foot. Should have done better with it um, in terms of having a bit of space to get a shot on target. 16 minutes. And we're one down. And it's our field. And it's Fabio um, uh, contending for the ball in the midfield and loses out to Tavernier. Uh, uh, and uh, the ball goes from Jack then to Arfield. It's a really good pass by him. And Arfield's finish from right to left is straight into the bottom corner. Really well executed finish from the lad, to be fair to him. I think... Arfield's in the veteran bracket now. I think he's 33 or 4 kind of age. Um, And, you know, the game had that feeling about it. It was just enough of a sickener that uh, in the immediate aftermath, we had a very daft back pass by Joe Gomez on the 20-minute mark, which nearly put Arfield in again. And if they had scored that, you know, we may not be having this chat that we're going to have now tonight. We may well have gone to pot or certainly the best we might have managed was a draw from that kind of a ridiculous setback. So we were very rattled, very shaky. We did nothing of note at all in those opening 15, 20 minutes. There's literally not one attack that we formulated. So you'd have to say 
even if they weren't worth their their lead, um, we certainly underperformed dramatically in the opening 20 minutes. And the stat thrown out by uh, BT Sports Fletch tonight was that that is now 14 out of the last 20 games that we've gone behind in. Yeah, I mean, it's a remarkable level of uh, consistency. <laughs> That we're showing um it's 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 not in the area that we would we would want it to be uh and i think you know whilst we've spoken about sort of the dis like the the big disparity in quality um i think yeah you were you were you did find yourself worried obviously sort of conceding first the atmosphere um and that's stoking it even more in terms of the crowd getting behind the team the dodgy back pass like you mentioned it's it's, it's not it's not the sort of assured start that you want to be seeing um, and it's, I, I suppose the start to the second half was what I was hoping for, for the, from the first start, um, from the start from kickoff. Uh, and it was sluggish. It was slow. There was nothing that you wanted to see given sort of recent performances as well. And you, as the first half sort of progressed, Trevor, you just were left sort of scratching your head and going, once again, the team doesn't necessarily look like they've really worked that much on on this system and why is it not yet again certain players looking exhausted not doing their defensive responsibilities and so yeah early on it was pretty made, made pretty grim viewing and you thought that even despite the change in quality rangers were going to find a way to hurt us so yeah early days it was um yeah it, you you were getting an uncomfortable feeling in your stomach i'd say and and Dave, to just get a little bit from you on this sort of phenomenon that has occurred where we go behind in games and it's now way, way past a pattern and into uh, a, a, a trend, into a, 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 a thing that needs putting right quite urgently. Uh, a 10, 15 game run needs to occur where we go ahead. Mm. We, we know that under Klopp, uh, and with this group of players, we're capable of putting a run together. It's just you don't have any faith in it at the moment. And you don't have any faith in it at the moment because of the fact that we keep going behind to subpar and inferior to us, at least, opposition. Uh, and we always think that they're inferior and subpar, and they often are. But it's usually because we are playing awfully ourselves, Dave. Yeah. And this trend is another one that needs to be booked. I, I'm wary of talking about... Uh, corner turning as you are and as I'm sure as Harry is because I don't have any faith which I've always had under Jurgen Klopp that the next game will see redemption I don't have that I wish I did I want to look forward to City now thinking well, that's us we're on the pig's back it'll all be fine from now on but I don't have that we're equally capable of turning up there and being awful and that's just a worry that I'd love us to put to bed there are a few things maybe that we can talk about as we look at the second half that we could possibly do to address that maybe some personnel coming back are going to help that but what do you put it down to this I'm, I'm, getting, I'm wincing a bit Dave as I listen to every second person that I encounter and I, I, I do know a lot of Liverpool fans in real life talking about lads being knackered and exhausted and all that and just to me just feels a little bit like an easy way out Excuse. I understand it, I, yeah, I understand where it's coming from but I'd rather something a bit more tangible than they're all knackered because a lot of lads play a lot of football and they don't play that awfully you know that's the thing I mean you know we hear oh this team played 63 games last season yeah and what nobody played all 63 games 
Henderson played the most games. What did he play? 51 or something like that? So it's not like they've played any more football themselves individually last season than they had in previous seasons. The club just played more games. But it's not an excuse. Now, I can, I can see an excuse for one or two individuals simply on the basis of they're being asked to do far too much. Like, I think Fabinho has been asked to do far too much over the last 12 months because the way that right-side midfield role was changed, and be it Harvey, be it Hendo, be it Naby, whoever played there, they weren't playing it as a right-sided midfielder. They were playing much further forward, and he was being asked to cover all of that ground in front of Trent and do his own job. And that's just a little bit too much to ask of anybody. I think if you look at the goals we've conceded this season, and in particular the first goals, most of them come down to individuals simply not doing their job. And that's not a tiredness factor. And unfortunately, there is one player who is frequently the biggest culprit in that. And we've conceded 12 goals in the league this season. And that one single player has been largely at fault for seven of them. And tonight, when they scored their first goal, he was the player closest to Arfield before Arfield made his run. And he never even picked up on the fact that Arfield was there. He never looked at him. He's playing in a double pivot in midfield. The other midfielder has gone across to try and win the ball after Carvalho loses it. It then becomes your job to be aware of everything that's, that's going on in the centre of midfield, including tracking any and all runners. And he's completely unaware that the player's there. Now, I wouldn't put the sole focus of the blame for that goal on him tonight. It's not like the Arsenal one. It's not like the second Arsenal goal. It's not like the two he was at fault for against United. It's not like the goal he was at fault for against Newcastle where he just was completely unaware that he was, you know, meant to track the runner that was stood beside him. This was just a lack of awareness. This came down to simply not understanding his job, not taking the moment to look around and see what the threat was. But when you've got one player who's consistently causing you problems like that, oftentimes it can be as simple as just taking that player out and putting a competent defensive player in there. It just can. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Now, if we are to uh, address our various issues, we are going to need, I don't think there's any doubt about it now, to see 
um, an addition or two. Um, we'll be talking about that with a bit more of a frenzy as it becomes a possibility. Uh, whether and or not, we've nothing else to do during the World Cup. Exactly. Whether or not it becomes a reality is a different thing. But for now, we've got to go with the guys that we've got. There are lads falling over left, right and centre and, and, mm. and being ruled out for long periods of time. And Joe Gomez is a guy who's struggled with injury a lot over the last few years. Um, like I said, he came, uh, he's back in the team now. He has been a little bit sketchy on a few occasions and quite sketchy on one or two. Uh, and he had another sketchy moment in the immediate aftermath of goal. I just mentioned that really silly kind of not. It, it took Joe a little bit of time to settle into that game tonight. But did you think, did you think he did? Because I thought by the yes. end of the game, he, he, he looked a different lad. I know? would say by about 25 minutes in, he'd come yeah. to grips completely with Ryan Kent He'd remembered that he used to play against this fella every day in training. I'm much better than him. And he basically put him in his pocket. Kent had a couple of moments early in the game. Joe had that that mistake. Like, you have to remember with Joe, the guy has barely played any football in two years. Like, it's two years since he blew out his knee, give or take a couple of weeks. And that injury, that takes two years to get back from. Go and listen to the fatigue index pod that Simon and Marty Loughran did afterwards. And listen to Marty describe that injury and the road back from it and the surgery itself. He described it as like trying to stitch two horses' tails together and said that as you recover, you don't know for certain that the surgery has been a success until the very end stage of your rehabilitation and Marty Loughran said it's a year to get back on the pitch and another year to get back to your level if you ever get back there Gomez is still coming up to that point he has barely played any football he he saw very little action last season a lot of appearances but no sustained runs in the team and no kind of big chunks of games he's getting five minutes here 15 there eight here and seven there, you know, that kind of nonsense. Joe needs to work his way in. That's just how he is. He's not one of these players that you just pick him up and drop him into a situation. Now, I thought when he came on against Arsenal, he had a ropey first five and then settled in. And I thought he did really well against Martinelli. And today it took him a little bit longer to get going. But once he did, I actually thought he was absolutely outstanding from about 20, 25 and just about two or three minutes after he made that big blunder. From yeah. from there, from then on, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Got and up and mean, down the wing and just locked up that position defensively, which is exactly what we need. And when we talk about a team that's become easy to score against, what you need is your individuals to do their fucking jobs. And Joe Gomez did his job brilliantly tonight, as did the fella next to him in Big Ebu. And that is a huge bonus for us. Yeah, to get that side sorted is 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 a lovely thing, and 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 to you know, f- for context, when Joe injured himself, he was on in the middle of a run where he was arguably, really well. arguably performing better than the, possibly the best defender we've ever had. Uh, you know, on a game to game basis, it was remarkable. Um, Harry, to to go through the next little chunk of the match with you. Um, we tried to start getting into the game a little bit. 22 minutes, um, Fabio Carvalho has a shot from a nice Fabinho pass. 
his effort is low and about a yard wide. And then on 22, Fab- Fabio Carvalho has another shot. This time it's deflected for a corner. And what do you know? Um, one of the decent um, uh, de- deliveries by Costa Simicus over on the right, an in-swinging uh, left-footed corner, is met by Bobby Firmino at the near post in a way in which he has no right to be meeting it. Uh, his execution of the header, by the way, it didn't get half enough praise. It's tremendous, um, confident and expertly executed. Um, and... I think it really sickened Rangers in a way that they were not expecting to be sickened. They had their lead for all of six or seven minutes. And then we did that. And if to say it was against the run of play wouldn't be strictly true because we had those couple of uh, Carvalho efforts in the lead up to it. But it was a real flattener for them. And expertly dispatched, like I say, uh, Harry, in a way that he doesn't get enough credit for. Um, Talk to me about that goal, and then we'll do the next couple of minutes uh, in the the first half as well. Yeah, it's always good to see, uh, like, in reality, I mean, I see what you're saying about the technique of the header, and I think he does deserve... There's a lot of credit for that, but just in terms of the actual simplicity of the goal itself, just really satisfying. Um, like to get your get your way back into a game like that where you've had a shaky start, uh, because the side that you're playing against has um, has defended a set piece so poorly. I mean, because it, it, let's be honest. I mean, there's some clever stuff going on there in terms of us o- overloading the far post and Bobby just sneaking in at the near post. But essentially, he's he is marked. He just holds off his man. Uh, it doesn't really make much of an effort to sort of compete with him in the air. Um, Bobby barely jumps, to be honest. Uh, and it's just an excellent header. So I think it was really important that we scored as soon after they scored. Um, I think we've seen in games where we don't get that goal, don't get that equaliser quickly after uh, a team has gone ahead against us. And it can prove a little bit more difficult. The team gets a bit more demoralised, especially when they're going through this the shaky patch as well. So... Yeah, really satisfying, and also satisfying from the perspective. Of, I mean, we didn't know what we were going to see after that, but yeah, Bobby is uh, this this renaissance of Bobby finding his ruthless streak again in front of goal. Um, whilst we're really you know, going through a real tough period, struggling through this period, um, yeah, it's been one of our little tonics that we've been able to enjoy, isn't it? So Bobby appearing to have rediscovered elements of his mojo. So yeah, very happy to see it. Um, and also happy in terms of just you know one of these totems of the Klopp side. I mean, I, th- I think we're, we're talking a lot now about the the next evolution or a, you know, necessary changes to the way in which we've we've expected this side to play or we've seen the side play for years. So just you know satisfying that Bobby is able to roll back the years in in certain ways uh, and, and and still be an influential figure because obviously he's was one of the very, very first most influential figures in this um, evolution, even if he arrived before before Klopp did. So, yeah, good to see him do that. And who knows what it is. Um, maybe Bob just really wants to go to the World Cup. I think he's got a lot of competition to do that. But um, it's, yeah, it, for whatever reason he's doing this, uh, it's uh, it's wonderful to see. He's front and centre a couple of minutes later, um, Harry, where he plays Darwin uh, in. Uh, Darwin gets completely creamed on the fo- with a follow through by uh, Tavernier um, on 25 minutes, and then 
uh, I, I, my my signal started to go a little bit, but I don't think I was missing anything, to be honest with you. Um, the next thing I've written down is that poor old Hendo had a nightmare minute there on, on, on 34. He had um, one awful ball to put us in trouble, and then as we recovered from tr- the trouble and he's leading the counter, it's an absolutely atrocious ball forward to fuck the counter attack up. And I was just thinking, oh, poor lad, it's just that is just a bad, bad minute. Um, on 40 minutes, there was a sort of a chance where uh, Kent had uh, a go at Joe Gomez and, and, and cut back and had a shot, uh, which went out for a corner. and on 41 minutes, we have the second one of those moments Dave was referring to at the start of the show where Sakala did Simicus up uh, like a kipper. And his pullback, actually, is met by Arfield. Um, and his first-time effort is blocked brilliantly by Ibu Kanate, uh, front and centre again. And Arfield's attempt, I think, is... I don't think he did anything wrong. I think it was a well-struck shot, and I think it was heading for the corner. Whether Alisson gets there or not is... Uh, is moot because um, uh, Ibu does his job. Um, Goldson went off injured in 44 and they had to bring on King, uh, who started the last game uh, for Goldson on that 44-minute mark and that rounded out the first half. Was there anything in the aftermath of the goal there between that 23-minute mark and the 45 or 46-minute mark that you found to be of note? Because there were precious few incidents that I could find to talk about. I think I think it was that chance that you mentioned where Sakala did Simicas and uh, and crossed it in. For me, that was that was a really really alarming uh, period. Not because Simicas got done by sort of a fast a fast wing. I mean, you you're going to see that from time to time. It's not you, you don't want to see it at all. But um, I mean, I mean that wasn't that wasn't for me the most alarming element. The most alarming element for me was uh, that when that pullback came in, uh, <laughs> Rangers had. Well, maybe three, four, like uh, players ready for that pullback. Um, Arfield obviously makes contact. Uh, it's a fantastic tackle from from Ibu uh, to to save us. But my first instinct was, hang on, how are there how are there three players uh, from Rangers there waiting for this pullback? And then you look at the, at the position of our midfielders as well. Uh, and we're not just talking about uh, Hendo here. We're also talking about Fab. And both of them are just—they're—they're they're nowhere at all. Uh, and it's—it's it's, it's this this uh, lack of tracking of runners that is just just yeah sends a shiver down you a little bit because you're thinking, God, if this, if this is a better side, they are not missing that chance at all. As we've seen with better sides in the Premier League, even sides that we would consider you know, that we should be beating quite comfortably, you know, these runners go on the field, don't haven't tracked them. Uh, and they and they put away that chance. They take that chance. Uh, so for me, that was a little bit of a sort of a you know slap across the face right before half time. That that's still happening even against a side like Rangers. Um, mm. That our midfielders could could allow that to happen. And um, we, we've spoken about it at length in other pods. You know, is it is it you know, a mixture of fatigue of, of some players having having done too much work because of uh, the system changes, like Dave mentioned with Fab. Is it just a case of certain players who who just have never really been fantastic at tracking runners anyway? But the fact that that still happened um, was a bit of a like a wake up call, uh, and I, I hope that was that was replayed at half time, uh, and I hope that there are some strong words uh, said about that because it's just it's just not it's not it's not acceptable. So it's not going to help us get out of this run. 
lads leaning into the um, Guy Drinkle um, uh, alternative pep book cover there uh, that I just po- post in the chats rather than rather than the intensity version. Um, Dave, the second half. Yes, exactly. Uh, the second half, Dave begins with a nice break down the left by Nar- Darwin and a, and, a, and a few others. We get a corner in 51. There's a Henderson air kick. And then Fabinho dinks the ball into absolutely nobody. And I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, lost at sea. Then we see a gorgeous through ball by Bobby Firmino to Darwin Nunes on the 52nd minute mark. But uh, Davis, I think, uh, Ben Davies blocked the effort um, by Darwin. 53 minutes, Joe Gomez's ball into Darwin is decent, good control and a wild effort. Um, He's a long way out and you can see what he's trying to do and he takes the ball down really well. That I found encouraging because I I did wonder about his touch on a few occasions over recent games and that was nice to see. It was a very good piece of control, and then he just sort of flailed at the shot. When maybe a little bit of composure, he had a keeper off his line. Now, there was nothing easy about the opportunity, and you could see what he was trying to do with it. On 54, however, Dave, we are 2-1 up. And if the equaliser sickened them, I'm sure this really, really put them to bed altogether. It is Firmino, a fantastic cross, as you mentioned earlier on, by Joe Gomez, sort of bending it round King, putting it right where um, Bobby Firmino's running in uh, from the left-hand side of the six-yard box uh, to finish uh, quite sweetly. It's lovely. Um, and I'm going to keep going with you till, till we get to three because there's a good chunk of match here and there's probably a few things you want to talk about. We have another chance after that. This time it's Harvey Elliott. He cuts in on 59 minutes, hits a bit of a token effort at McGregor from distance and they're forced to bring on uh, Davis, uh, the ex-Southampton man for Jack, who well, who was their second injury of the night. Uh Six minutes after that, on 65, Darwin Nunes has his goal. Um, I thought Fab did really well to intercept. He plays the ball into Carvalho. Carvalho passes it to Bobby Firmino. And that outrageous, unnecessary flick set for Darwin is a lovely thing. Uh, perfectly um, paced pass to him. Uh, kind of outrageous in so many ways. And the finish then from our man if lads like me were stressing a little bit about his technique, would have shut up a lot of yeah. us because it's expert and calm and clinical and so many people could have screwed that up. I'm delighted for the kid. Yeah, I mean, just on the first goal, well, there's the second goal as it is the first the second half, that cross from Joey Gomez. I mean, if Trent played that cross, we'd all, we'd all fawn over it. So Joey deserves his flowers for that as well. Um, the the third goal of the game, uh, you could hear the scream of delight from Wolverhampton, from Mr. Tandon, as we get a goal from pressing. Uh, brilliant work by Fabinho, obviously. Nice little ball by uh, Fabio Carvalho into Bobby. The, the touch is just... Like, it's equal parts outrageous and completely unnecessary. Like There's absolutely no need to do that, Bobby. A simple pass will suffice but you could tell he was really feeling it and Bobby at the start of last season Bobby had a a very similar type of run form wise Uh, I think Simon said he's got a goal or an assist every 54 minutes so far this season which is fairly ridiculous 
Um, the the hope will be that he'll sustain that over the rest of this year because we we absolutely need him to um, with the way everything else is going. But yeah, I mean Darwin, he he does it really well. He moves himself into an offside position, which causes the defense to shift back a yard. Then he works his way back onside to be ready for the next phase as Bobby lays it off to him. And it is an excellent finish. It was a the movement and the finish reminded me a little bit of Ruud van Nistelrooy when he used to just do that little thing where he just he'd live offside, he'd just drift back on, and you never doubted as he struck through the ball that the ball was gonna find its way into the corner. Uh really good goal for Darwin, and obviously his last involvement in back to back goals is huge for that lad's confidence because he got a lot of shit in preseason for for you know preseason games. Like who cares about preseason? All it's there for is to get fit. Doesn't matter if you score one goal or a hundred goals. Um, he banged in four in that one game and it shut a lot of people up. And then he was brilliant in the Community Shield when he came on. He was absolutely outrageous that game. Came on against Fulham and, and changed the game for us. Got us from the jaws of a defeat put us ahead and then obviously we managed to throw it away but um then the, the red card really did just ding him and it really knocked his confidence and you could see even before the red card he was snatching at things and he was obviously very eager to to prove how good he is and you can tell he is someone that does kind of dip in and out of social media because he's posted a few things that are clearly a reaction to some of the stick he's gotten over the years. What he needs to understand, someone needs to sit him down and say, look, most of the stuff people say on social media, they don't even believe. Social media is made up of three or four groups. The two loudest groups are the really stupid people and the people who play really stupid characters on Twitter. And they're the type of people that put out tweets about Darwin where, you know, he tries to send a cross in, in training and they're, oh, what a bad shot, all that kind of shit. Getting a couple of goals like this will really help him. And I think, I do think we'll see him really kick on as the weeks go by, as this team around him gets better. I mean, the service into him in the first half was nothing short of a disgrace. Some of the passes that were played into him were appalling. You wouldn't see it, Trev, with Navin Cosmos. Absolutely shocking stuff. There was one counterattack we had where Henderson played the ball behind him and then roared at him for running too fast on the counterattack or whatever the fuck the problem was. But once he got that little nice set from Bobby and he got one good set from Diaz at the weekend, he's showing, give him a real chance, a real chance, and he will take it. And couldn't be happier for that lad tonight. And even nicer than he gets to go off and get his hug from Kloppo. Absolutely. And it's all changing 66 minutes when Mo, uh, Robbo and Thiago come on for Costa, Starwin and Hendo. And Thiago straight into it with Mo, lofting a little dink pass in on 70 minutes. And Mo's attempt is saved by the keeper. But he's in that spot that we were talking about. Xhota comes on for Bobby Firmino at this point. Now... It's all going to change. 
We're going to talk very quickly about Mo's hat-trick back-to-back here, and then I'll let you both in to talk about whatever your favourite p- part of it is. Uh, on 74 minutes, we did have a flowing move. It ended with uh, Harvey cutting in and shooting narrowly over. It's a decent dig, and now everything starts to change. We get this 6-minute, 10-second or 12-second or whatever the hell it is, hat-trick from Mo Salah, where we go from... Uh, being 3-1 up to 6-1 up. The first of Mo's goals, great piece of control to take a lofted ball out of the air, incredible strength then to hold off Barisic, and he shoots from the narrowest of angles between Davies, who's coming back, and the keeper, who's coming forward, inside uh, the far post. Um, he's nearly no angle to work with, but doesn't seem to make any difference to him. They bring on uh, Matondo, Morelos, and Wright at that point, when they're 4-1 down for Cholak, Kent, and Sakala. And they're only on the field three, four minutes when Mo has his second goal. This time, it's a Thiago ball into Jota who has a a lovely little set for Mo, takes his touch, in fact rolls his foot over the top of the ball at one point before hooking it back home. Really beautiful expert finish. The kind of finish that Mo Salah does that not many other people do. And two minutes or three minutes later, he's put us uh, 6-1 up with his third in, like I say, six odd minutes. Uh, lovely touch again by Jota. Mo is coming on to it from that customary position of his and curls it in that signature way of his inside the post. It's a shot we've seen him attempt a million times and enough of them go in for it to be, like I say, his signature effort. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it's only a few minutes to go until we're talking about the seven, but we'll save that. That Mo Salah hat-trick was a thing of of beauty. Every one of the goals perfectly taken, gorgeous finishes, uh, outrageous in their own way. And I think, if I'm right, um, I saw a stat somewhere which said that Diogo Jota is the first person to assist a hat-trick since back in the Collymore days, I believe. So that is something in and of itself, uh, which will stand him in good stead too. Harry, pick your favourite of them. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think the second one with him putting his foot on the ball before sort of striking it home was great. I mean, the the third is sort of a classic, isn't it? Classic Mo Salah um, sort of finish in terms of what you expect him to do when he gets the ball on his left foot in that position. Uh, it's. I, I I think it's the first one. To be honest, is is probably my favorite in terms of the mm. touch is outrageous, the angle is ridiculous, and it's yes, it's a toe poke. It's not really outside of the foot, but it's just um. It sort of set the tone, right? I mean, we weren't really sure what was going to come next instead of getting that hat trick, but uh, it's just and at times when, we, when we've spoken about Mo Salah after a game, we've just we've mentioned the business mode. Mo Salah just comes on and goes, right? How much time have I got? Okay, I'll uh, I'll see what I can do with the time that I've got. I, I, I actually reminded of a game against Palace, I think, where uh, we won. It was it a crazy seven? Seven goal scoreline as well, I think, against Palace um, under Hodge, where I'm pretty sure Salah came on <laughs> at, uh, quite late on and managed to bag a couple of goals as well. Um, some outrageous finishes, and you know, we see it from time to time with him, uh, just reminding us of the level of play that he is. We all started the pod tonight with the same sort of comments, right, about being big fans of that sort of. That thing where you put Mo Salah, uh, giving the ball near the goal, and lo and behold, he does what he does. 
but it's yeah, it's just a reminder. Yes, it's against weak opposition, but we need him uh, to rediscover that ruthlessness in front of goal, that confidence in front of goal. Um, we need him to be going into a game like this weekend. Yeah, let's say irrespective of what we of what we think about uh, the 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 title race or anything like that, even remotely like that. It's it's about getting him back and firing uh, and getting the player that we were all delighted signed that new contract uh, in the positions to be as dangerous and as painful for opposition as possible. So yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's elements of all three goals that are sort of classic. Mo Salah, um, and then we'll probably come on to talk about sort of the way in which he celebrated with, with Harvey for the seventh as well, which I thought was a was a lovely moment as well. So, yeah, just just a light getting on the action, uh, look, you know, smiling, confident, and uh, uh, back in the goals. Yeah, and as as Harry rightly says, Dave, there are four goals in eleven minutes. I'll let you go back and pick your favorite one of Mo's in a second. If there's anything you want to say about that, but we will just talk about the Harvey goal to finish it off. Harry, I'll be back to you for your wrap up thoughts uh, in a minute, and then we'll finish with Dave's. But let's just finish this game out, um, Dave, because there is a goal for Harvey Elliott. It's sort of for reasons best known to the match officials uh, ruled out initially um, uh, for offside. Um, I, I don't understand why, because Thiago does really well. He plays the ball into Mo Salah, who's clearly not offside. Mo does very well to centre the ball to Jota, who misses when clearly not offside in a central position. And the ball spills out to Harvey Elliott, who's raining in from the right-hand side. And he sweeps the, the re, that rebound home with his right foot, actually. Uh, be, beautifully done. Nicely executed finish. Good bit of technique for him with his so, supposed standing leg. And I, I could not understand for the life of me why they weren't giving it. And I was more and more confident as the seconds ticked past that we were going to get it given because I couldn't see what could possibly be the issue. And as Harry rightly says... There was that nice thing where, you know, Mo was very excited for the kid to actually have his goal. And, you know, he's kind of standing there with his arms around him. And these little things in a season where so many things are going awry, uh, you, you, you don't want to read into them too much. But they are signs of uh, togetherness and affinity when mm. so, so many times, I don't know about you, but I felt like has there been a bust up in this squad because something's so off? It's lovely to see that. It's nice to be reminded of it. And that's kind of one of the many things that I was alluding to at the start of the show that, look, we're far from being the finished article or anything like that. But if these little things start happening increasingly, you might get some semblance of a season back. Yeah, I mean, I think it puts to bed the idea that Mo is aloof and sees himself above other players and nonsense like that that's been floated around on the interwebs by the, the two groups that I mentioned earlier on. Um, clearly, absolutely delighted for the lad, like, standing, it goes over to him, Harvey's standing there with his fingers crossed. Mo uh, prays to Allah for him very quickly. Uh, Harvey making the sign of the cross at Ibrox might not be the best idea. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, shout out to the, to the four tricolors in the, uh, in the away end tonight. Did love to see that, but no, it was great to see Mo um, doing that for Harvey and, and, you know, being with the lad and able to celebrate with him immediately as he, as he gets his goal given. Um, clearly Mo, after he got his second goal, Mo started to work quite hard to try and get Jota a goal and he passed up one or two 
opportunities at better or easier passes to try and work the ball to Jota, but obviously does really well in this instance, works it to Jota, who probably should shoot first time. And I think if he was in a, in a Jota r- run of form where he was banging in goals regularly, he would have shot first time and he probably would have scored. Um, but yeah, really well done by Harvey, who'd had a couple of questionable efforts, I would say, on his left foot earlier in the game. And uh, great to see him get a goal. Like, your first Champions League goal, it's something he's always going to have. No matter where his career goes from here, he's always going to be able to say, I scored a goal in a Champions League fi- in a Champions League game. Because not, you know, if we factor in how many footballers there are, it's a very short amount, a very small amount that actually get to say they scored in a Champions League game. You're, you're talking about the elite of the elite to be playing um, at this level, regardless of what country you're from. I mean, Rangers, if they were in England, would be a championship level side. But in Scotland, they're one of the two elite teams. So, you know, they, they, they are to be respected for what they've done to get here. And um, uh, just a brilliant moment, just an absolutely brilliant moment. And I just thought the last, what did Thiago come on on 67? Yeah. Like, Fab, I thought, went up a level as soon as he had Thiago next to him just seemed a lot more confident and, and free in himself. Thiago plays with a a level of authority that's just second to none. And I, I'm not saying this as hyperbole. Like, there's a real chance he's the best player to ever play at Ibrox. Because he is an all-timer. That, he's that level. And the difference he makes to our team, like, everything is so easy to him. But don't you find it comical that this lad who is, I, I think, the most gifted midfielder I've seen play for Liverpool. Mm. Um, I, I, and he's I, tough I, as nails as well. This was, don't you find it comical how, how, how much he throws himself yeah. around the pitch like a fucking lunatic? Like, Do you know what, Trev? I, I was going to say on the pod on, on Sunday... He was the only one on the pitch on Sunday providing any sort of real leadership. He was the one talking out things with the referee, with the opposition, with his own players, trying to get them going in the game. And I thought tonight when he came on, he was the most commanding presence on the pitch. Yeah. And he's talking everyone through the game. He's doing all their thinking for them. He's like a chess master. He's in total control of everything. And there was one lovely little interplay he had down the left with Robbo, where Robbo plays it into him. Thiago's under pressure. And just this arrogant little flick back to Robbo. Robbo plays, I think, to Jota, and Jota ends up bringing it down. I think we got a corner out of it. And I just thought, like, this fella is just, he has mastered this game. It's almost too easy for him at times which is part of why I think he does go almost looking for trouble, horses himself into challenges. Do you remember, sorry, I just kicked my bin. Do you remember last season when we spanked United at Anfield? Mm. And in the post-match coverage, the one thing Gary Neville was completely in awe of was not the technical level of Thiago. He said, Thiago's gone around that pitch smashing people tonight. And this is the thing. You're talking about one of the most technically gifted midfielders ever, ever, who, if he'd made a better choice at international level, would be starting for Brazil in this upcoming World Cup, like like his father did in 94 when he was part of the winning team in the World Cup. This guy has 
every single technical attribute you could want. He reads the game at a level very, very few ever have. Very, very few. You're, you're talking the elite of the elite. You're Xavi's and Iniesta's. Like, he reads the game on their level. And then he he's brilliant defensively. Like, he is brilliant defensively. The only thing he doesn't have is a little bit more pace. And obviously, he does have the injury issues. But everything about his game is absolutely top, top level. And it doesn't get talked about enough how good that fella is and how combative he is. No, and the spring, the spring as well from a dead, from a, de- a standing he start. 80% of his headers. I've never yeah. seen anyone that small who's not like, like Ginny Wijnaldum's a little bit taller, but Ginny's, Ginny's a freak athlete. Thiago's not a freak athlete, but he's brilliant in the air because he's really aggressive yeah. and he's fearless, absolutely fearless. And there are other midfielders in our squad that could learn an awful lot from him about putting a foot into a tackle. The oh, fearlessness is, is, is a tremendous thing. I'll be back I'm, to you. I'm half tempted, Trev, to call him as the man of the match. And I'll tell you why when you come back to me for my final thoughts. Do, do. And I get it. Um, I will do that in a second. And let's do that now, myself and yourself, Harry, and wrap up um, with your takeaway from this. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to, to to avoid the obvious points, but there might be one or two things that you, you you want to pick out that we didn't touch on. How would you sum that up then? Yeah, just a welcome. It was a welcome tonic, wasn't it? After some of the performances we've seen of late, after the first half as well, uh, to see to see the side playing with a, a real swagger, a real confidence in those last however many minutes it was. I think Dave was mentioning since. Not just from when Thiago came on, but I think especially from that point onwards, some of the slickness of the of the interplay was really noticeable. Uh, I mean, it's you know, Salah uh, combining with others after his hat trick, trying, as Dave mentioned there, to clearly trying to then put uh, one on the plate for Jota. I think actually Jota did have um, one more or less on the plate for him. That uh, um, he, I was surprised he didn't just finish it straight away to be honest I think it was yeah that was just leading up wasn't it to uh to Elliot's goal wasn't it where he had that chance to maybe have finished off the move ahead of mm. time but uh yeah really really satisfying to see it seemed to be more authority about us more control in our play yes we I think we have to we have to sort of factor in the 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 game state where it was at the fact that you know sort of obviously Darwin gets that goal before these subs come on Rangers are on the back foot they're a poor side anyway but with all that mitigation um to one side yes yeah, just it's just fun really to be able to, to to enjoy watching a Liverpool performance racking up the goals um some of your some of your favorite players racking up the goals again uh, some of the totems of the side like I was mentioning with Bobby so all in all I thought it was quite quite an encouraging second half um the the return of Canate like you mentioned some of the promise that we saw with with Elliot and Carvalho growing into the roles that they had in the in this uh in this formation and, and and perhaps especially with Diaz being out for a while Carvalho on that left is a interesting option especially how he drops back into midfield to give them a bit more support uh and often pops up in that space same as Elliot where you you're looking for somebody who's who's more of a number 10 to, to pop up, to be influential, to find a through ball. I mean, always nice to have through balls and players making runs in behind uh, to, to to be found with them is a is a fun thing. So yeah, overall, sort of you're left with a real um, 
yeah, satisfied feeling at the end of that game. And as as I mentioned, I think towards the start, I've rarely seen. I mean, I've seen fans leaving stadiums before, but I've rarely seen fans uh, running, sprinting out of the stadium. Uh, such was the exodus from from Rangers fans uh, as the goals were as the goals were going in. So it was yeah, very satisfying in the end. And in terms of uh, stuff coming up from you, I presume you're going to have one ahead of City. Uh, do you have your speaker lined up or your guest lined up for that one? Yeah, no, so I re- recorded that today. Uh, ah, nice. Burke from, from One Football uh, and uh, the, the Blue Moon podcast. And yeah, we just... Uh, so, God, it was, a, <laughs> it was an interesting discussion. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he was... Um, He's a really lovely guy, Dan, um, and I think in the nicest way possible, like I sometimes did, I think, actually on, on some of the rivalry cons last season, uh, you, you end up having a conversation where you get to the end of it and go, that was very nice. They're going to batter us. <laughs> I think that was, um, <laughs> that's not the impression I got. I'm, I'm certainly hoping for a good result on Sunday. But uh, he was as magnanimous as he could have been, um, whilst also... Uh, more or less admitting that he more or less sees no weaknesses in his side whatsoever at this stage, um, but is also fearing coming to Anfield. So I was happy he's still fearing coming to Anfield, Trev. So hope, hope, hopefully we can uh, we can reinforce that for him. Yeah, man. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, yeah, I, I I'm very vocally writing off league stuff, um, but obviously. I want us to win all the games uh, and and maximize our chances to to do that. So I look forward to listening to that now. Like I'll probably be listening with the equivalent, uh, the aural equivalent of looking through your 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 fingers. I'll probably be listening to it in, there in that kind of way, uh, as 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 he outlines the strengths of this city team. And Dave, to get your wrap up thoughts and and finish with uh, what you've got for the rest of the week as well. Well, if the city fan would like any information on the weak points of his team his manager's fetish of playing the Bromi Adam Lalanam would be one the fact that none of their fullbacks can defend would be the second one mm. and if we had Luis Diaz I'd be a lot more confident going into that game because I think he caused them absolute nightmares but we don't and we can talk about it another day um quickly podcast for the week there'll be a scouted tomorrow for City there'll be two footed every day and daily red every day uh, last thoughts on the game today. Obviously, Mo, like you, you guys said, I mean, the fastest Champions League hat trick ever, sensational, the most goals ever uh, for a single English club in the Champions League, is sensational. He's, I think, he's within five of Drogba's record now as the most goals by an African player in the Champions League. And when you consider that Drogba played well into his thirties, uh, it's a hell of, and how deep Chelsea used to go year on year. It's a hell of a record to have. Uh, obviously, great to get him scoring and confident. Jota is the one we need to work on now. No matter what happens, a ball has to fly into a net off Jota's arse and get him confident. Because if he finds a bit of form, the reason you can have a bit of confidence in this team, when even when everything else is looking like a bit of a train wreck, like the defense in midfield, is that we know... Mo Salah is one of the best goal scorers in the world. We know that Diogo Jota scores in bundles. He will put a run together where he gets like 12 goals in 15 games or something like that. We know that Bobby can go through runs like this. That's a positive. We know that Darwin showed it last season that he's capable against the best defences of causing them nightmares. Now we have the two young books in Harvey 
and Fabio, they'll both take a lot of confidence from tonight. Like that's a big hostile atmosphere to go into as well. And they were completely unawed by it. Completely unawed. They could have been playing in the park with their mates, especially in that second half. They just silenced that crowd and played their game, which was great to see, especially in the second half. Like I said, when, when they figured out how to play those roles and how to make it work for both of them, I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I suppose the Thiago thing, I thought he was brilliant when he came on. Love that he threw himself into a couple of tackles, but like you, was wincing a little bit because, you know, you just, we can't, we cannot afford for him to get injured. Whatever else happens, we have to keep him fit. Uh, but, you know, his performance didn't start when he came onto the pitch tonight. It started when the referee, who clearly had his his wife and his kids in the crowd and got a case of, you know, main character syndrome and decided it was all about him went over to lecture Tiago about where he was working at, where he was warming up. And Tiago just starts arguing with him <laughs> and gives absolutely no fucks what the referee's telling him. He's like, I'm warming up here. This is where I've been told to warm up. I'm warming up here. And then he does that thing where he turns around and like plays to an audience and implores, where am I went? Arms up. Where am I went to work out? Is it here? Is it over? Where, where am I meant to be? And then just goes back to doing whatever it was he was doing beforehand. I thought the ref had a bit of a poor game, especially first half. I thought there was a couple of really questionable challenges by Rangers players. One by Connor Golson on uh, Darwin, where he does win the ball, but the follow through is it's absolutely ridiculous. shambolic. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned that one. He clears him out of it yeah. completely. And yeah. does, it's not even reviewed by VAR. They reviewed the Joe Gomez one, which was nothing. And didn't review. That was dangerous play. I'm sorry. Well, these Steve, things need to be slapped down on. Steve McManaman told him, ah, there's nothing there. That's ah, he, can, he can go and shite that fella. He is absolutely brain dead. Like a number of our former players who involved themselves in the media these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, do want to say, Trev, your distaste for uh, his co-commentator and the disdain with which you say the name Fletch, <laughs> it's, it's always a highlight of these podcasts. Um, another highlight of the night, obviously, seeing the Rangers fans running from their own stadium with 15 left to go home to tear down their flags and furiously, you know, fondle themselves into them while sobbing uncontrollably. That's always nice. Um, I suppose I'll just finish by saying in honour of a certain prick on Sky Sports who really wound me up today. No matter what happens with this Liverpool team, Trev, there's always a bit of graffiti on the wall, and the graffiti on the wall says, we're magic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a few of them boys in Sky winding me up as well today. Uh, they really they do need taking down a peg or two so I'm delighted with that let's wrap it up there Um, just a little bit north of the hour about 70 odd minutes of a show that's what we tend to average out with these so we will go now and leave you back to your nights uh, myself and Dave are back I think with Jim is that right man for the City game unless I'm mistaken or is it Carl I'm not sure which of the guys it is but I, th- I think it's Jim I think that's the pattern uh, for the City game on Saturday and uh, we will talk to you then and Harry will be back with us back in the loop very soon as well so from Harry Setti from Dave Hendrick and from myself Trout Denny this has been Raw on Anfield Index Pro good luck we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel 
so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.